You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. If you don't think there's hope for the world, why bother going on? You haven't seen the world, so you don't know. You keep going for family. I'm not family. No. Your cargo. Why are you so important? Somewhere out west. They're working on a cure. I think what really impressed them was the fact that I didn't turn into a monster. If she so much as twitches, <laughs> don't. Okay. If I'm taking you with me, you do what I say when I say it. You got any advice on the best way west? Yeah, go east. You've come this far, then you know it's out there. You're not gonna scare us. Scared him? You have a greater purpose than any of us could have ever imagined. Be careful who you put your faith in. Her father, but you're someone's. You trust me? Hey there, Earth Station One listeners, and welcome to another episode. That's right, we are back, and we've got a great one for you tonight. We are going to be talking about The Last of Us. Not the video game, but the TV series, which just filmed its first season, and wow, (laughs) that was just amazing. It was more than I expected. I was, I don't know what I expected, but we'll get into it with a fine group of people. Um, as always, if you haven't watched season one or played the video game of it, you, you could do either or because, you know, they followed pretty much the same storyline. We are going to be spoiling the hell out of this one, folks. So please, 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 if you get a chance, please, you know, take a break. Stop right here. Don't go any further because after we start getting to this, you will not ever want to touch a mushroom pizza ever again. I promise you. I promise you. And if you don't know what we're talking about, watch the show. Come on, folks. Please, please, please. All right. Let's get started on this. We would love to hear from you guys at home. We got, you know, we said feedback at earthstation1.com is the best way to get in touch with us. Please, you know, let us know what you guys thought of Last of Us. It was our first experiences with it. We have one expert here and, you know, he always pretends he's the expert at least. So (laughs) it's going to be a ton of fun to talk all about it. Let's say hey to Matt Swetman. Hi, guys. (laughs) How are you, Matt? (laughs) I'm doing great. 
good to have you back again. It's always yeah. great to see you. It almost feels like you were here for our last episode. You know, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, y'all wouldn't let me leave. I tried to go out the airlock, and y'all just nope, nope, nope. We got you a cot set up. We're gonna, gonna have to stay here for another episode. Yeah, exactly. We got Elaine's permission to keep you here as long as we want, so it's okay. Oh yeah, she's having a blast back home. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> we're also joined by. It's been actually quite some time. Jennifer Weiss, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. It's always good to see you. And we are also joined once again by Haneko. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Very good. It's been almost a month now or so since you've last been on the show. Maybe a little bit more, but yes. Thank yeah. you for having me back. It's definitely great to have you back. And it's interesting because you jumped, you were the first person to reach out when I posted that we were looking for folks to talk about it. And it had that much effect on a lot of people. And, you know, when they announced that they were making a series based off the video game of this, because I've heard about people talking about the video game for years now and, you know, how powerful it was. And people already had spoiled, you know, some of the ending to, for it to me. So I knew what was to come, but I don't think anyone could have prepared you for what we actually got and everything which was which was kind of neat let's go around the bend matt like i was teasing at the beginning of the show you played the game what was your reaction when you heard about the tv series the the video game is such an experience you never quite process it and I thought, okay, well, here's another opportunity possibly to process all the moral dilemmas from the first game. At first, Elaine wasn't too keen on watching it, but as we got closer and the buzz started generating, she decided to check it out, and very quickly she was hooked. And it was a joy to see it through her eyes, and it was – I don't know that I processed it any better, though. It's it's still a lot to run your head around. Oh, Um, sure. Very, but, very much so. But the journey is, is amazing, and, and the performances are amazing. Did the journey in the TV series feel more epic than the video game? Because I heard the game was, itself was very epic. There's something to be said for the visceral experience of playing the game. You're an active participant in the activities and the shocking uh, scenes at, at the end of the game. Um Somehow, I've heard people say that the TV TV episode seemed rushed, and I think viewing it without the control, it does seem more rushed. But I think without the experience of playing the game, I think someone would not necessarily feel it's rushed. At least that's my in- in- interpretation. Gotcha. All right, Jennifer or Hideko. What about you guys? You know, what drew you to the TV series? Because, you know, were were you thinking, oh, it's just another zombie tale? Or what were you guys? You go first. Okay. uh, First is Hanako. Hanako, sorry. Yes, that's okay. Um, For me, I... I've never played the games. I had not heard a lot about the the video game when the show came out. Uh, The big draw for me was 
listening to everyone else's hype about it once they announced that the show was going to get done um you had a lot of people who were excited but there were also a lot of people who were kind of skeptical because as we all know video game adaptations don't always necessarily hit the mark so me being a walking dead fan and liking other zombie type shows i was intrigued just for the concept of it you know finding out that this virus is caused by a fungus what so that was the interesting part of it and then of course pedro pascal bella ramsey huge fans of theirs from game of thrones and i was really interested to see what they would bring to this show and they did not disappoint i loved it literally from the beginning all the way to the end i didn't find a lot to complain about and um it was just a really well put together show yes it did feel rushed in some instances but not to the point where i felt like it took anything away from the story gotcha all right jen what about you Uh, i'd heard about the video game i it sounded like it was a good story i didn't know very much about it i'm not super into zombies because i have a problem with cannibalism I actually stopped watching The Walking Dead. I think in the second season, there was an episode that had particularly good sound quality. And I was like, I just can't watch this anymore. So I was a little nervous about it until I realized it was more about like transmitting it. You know, you bite somebody so that they get it, but there wasn't like eating. Um, but I gravitate until episode toward, eight. Uh, yeah, but we still don't really. And even then I was like, oh, but uh I gravitate towards bleak, depressing programming. And uh, so I thought, oh, this fits the bill. This you know, is like, right up uh, your alley. Awesome. Yeah. Like I, like I went to um, Chernobyl kind of thing, right? Like bleak and depressing, mm. more bleak and depressing because it's, you know, real. But uh, yeah, no, I think I just gravitated towards it because it's the kind of thing that I like to watch. No, totally understand that. See, for me, I actually didn't start it until like three weeks out. So it had been because I had gotten burnt out with The Walking Dead. I fully admit it. You know, I made it through all the way through the introduction of Negan, the whole thing with the, you know, the whispers and everything. And then it just was like, it just was like so bleak, so depressing. I just, it was, it was just like, there is no coming back from this. And I was just like, I don't, there's other things on TV I'd rather watch instead. And it started for me, it started being, I was still recording it, but I never went back to the DVR recordings of it. And so it was like, if that's the case, boom, it's gone. So that's how I gave up on it. And that's what I didn't go to the last of us. And actually a lot of friends of mine were like, are you watching it? Are you watching it? The first episode is amazing, you know? And I was like, no, not at all. And I was also worried about with Judy because Judy's the same way. She doesn't, if animals get hurt, she doesn't care about people getting hurt or shot or whatever, but if animals get hurt, she's, she walks away from a series. So like with walking dead, she made it through the first episode. And when they ate the horse, it was like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. See ya. I'm not ever coming back to the series, no matter how good the series had gotten. And so she was worried with last of us. And so when 
like when a couple of her friends said, oh, you've got to watch this and such. I said, are you want to give it a try? And we were hooked. We got caught up after episode three. And it was just, it was just awesome to be able to. And yeah, it's, you know, post-apocalyptic. It's, you know, dystopian at its best. And I liked the concept of the, you know, the virus that, you know, basically that it's a fungus and cause it's based off true science that, you know, there are insects that get controlled by fungus. Like uh, it's like a parasite virus and it's pretty amazing. And I love that opening scene in the first episode with the scientists back in the 1960s. And it was just like, Oh, <laughs> this is going to be good. And like you said, Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal is just amazing in this story. The acting, there is no fault with any of the acting in the series. And, you know, you care for these characters. It took, you know, in episode three, one very minor character who doesn't even have any lines in the game. They did a full episode about, about it and everything, which is just amazing. And I just loved what they did uh, with Bill and Frank. You know, that was just a great, great story. And, you know, and then, you know, you'd learn about the different, the difference, you know, the fall of society in the first episode, what Joel goes through in, you know, losing his daughter. And, you know, cause you think, you know, if you, since I didn't play the game, I thought, you know, Sarah was the Ellie character in this. I thought that she was going to yeah. be, that's, that's who she was. He was going to be with the whole thing. And it was like, Oh, heck no. <laughs> let's, let's pull the wool over Mike's eyes on that one. So, and it was interesting with that. And I just love how they showed society fall apart and it, and it happened so quick. But they all, the thing also that I liked about it is that you can tell, uh, I mean, and maybe it's because I'd heard about the game, the way that it's different for me from The Walking Dead is The Walking Dead was never, ever going to have any hope. It was just strictly about survival. And this whole series is about hope, trying to save the world, because they think they can. Mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, even if it doesn't really work out that way at the end, and I don't know what the second season is going to be like. I'd heard some things from the nerds that I watch online, but it was always about people becoming people, not just, oh, what do we have to do now just to survive? Like it was just, it was better that way than The Walking Dead. Bleak, but still hopeful. It was still bleak. And it was interesting because you got a lot of this show, you got to see through Ellie's eyes because she was born after the collapse of society. She, she never experienced airplanes flying in the sky. She never really experienced being in a car. She never experienced an escalator at a shopping mall. Mm -hmm. And it was just really amazing. Well, and that was the, speaking of the escalator at the shopping mall, that was the other thing that attracted to me, not the escalator, but the fact that I grew up in that whole area. I'm from Calgary and uh, I live in uh, Lethbridge now. And at least one of the scenes, the scene where they're, can't remember what episode, but they're walking. And then in the background, there's this elevated bridge that's partly broken. Mm -hmm. I drive by mm -hmm. that every week when I 
take the kids back to their moms. So, yeah, I, I live here. Yep. That's interesting. And the bridge is broken in real life? No. No, no I don't. <laughs> it's, it's just for trains. I've always, it, there's like a big dip between one side of the city and the other side of the city. Um, and it's so, it's not super steep, but the weather and the wind is poor enough that you drive one speed in the winter and another speed in the summer. But they don't, that's for trains. The one for, I don't know why they don't build one for cars, but that one is just for trains. Well, I've heard, and, you know, since you live in Calgary and that, you know, when they were doing Boston and they were walking, they said a lot of those buildings were Calgary buildings and they just threw in with CGI some Boston buildings to make, you know, say it's Boston. Yeah. And some of them, um, I couldn't tell for sure, but in the first episode, there's a scene where the nerd guy that I watched said that it was all filmed in Fort McLeod, which uh, certainly a lot of it was, but I'm pretty sure that it panned to a part uh, of town called 17th Avenue Southwest in Calgary, where there's a lot of the same sort of old buildings and that you could see the actual Calgary buildings, but the CGI that they did was they cut off the top of them. So they looked shorter. So they were buildings that I could recognize, but were half the height. Gotcha. That's very interesting. Well, some of them I had to look up because I was like, where is that? That looks familiar. I can't. Oh, I went to that place when it was a bar. So. Yeah. So Matt, you know, so let's hear from you. What did you think going into the, like the first couple episodes, like the, let's go with the first two, you know, with, as they were building the world and putting it together, your thoughts on that? Well, there was a sense of, of, um, dread knowing what was coming knowing and there was hints of it uh of the impending of course these shows they tend to do that because everyone goes into these shows knowing that the world's about to collapse and you're just waiting for the power to cut out you're waiting for the radio to cut out or the tv to cut out you're waiting for planes to fall from the sky you're waiting for fires in downtown areas i mean that's the, all the things they show when a society first collapses but knowing um, that uh, Joel's daughter uh, is killed, knowing uh, that you see neighbors turn, you see these things. It 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 doesn't prepare you for the shock and for the uh, the horror of it. And um, so, the one thing, one minor complaint is, uh, and I think it's the second episode. They're just outside of Boston. But yet, uh, it looks very mountainous and very western in the uh, in the areas outside the outside of town. And uh, people have commented on that. That seemed to be a bit of a, a continuity gaffe because at that point in the story, they were not far out of Boston. But again, I mean, I, I don't worry too much about superficial stuff like that. The story, the resonance was there, and uh, yeah, I mean, the first two episodes are pretty close to the game it's, it's really episode three where they make a major first make a major change gotcha Aniko, what about you i think for me the interesting thing about the first few episodes you know you understand that the story is going to be a character story and you know that this is what you're tuning into you know this seemingly um, cold and cut off emotionless man who all of a sudden finds himself taking care of a young girl who may be the key to saving the world. That's going to be interesting enough. 
I really was interested to see how they plan to do the monsters in this show, because of course, you know, we've seen so many different variations of zombies or monsters. And, you know, again, mentioning The Walking Dead, this is something that I have watched for the last 10 years. And so you kind of get used to a certain you know, to a certain way that they walk or a certain characteristic. And I had heard um, these things were a lot different. Like people were telling me, you think you're prepared, but you're not prepared. Seeing what they were doing in the first episode was interesting because when you when you first see the grandmother attacking her daughter in the kitchen and, and she's coming up, I you know, I was kind of like Jennifer. I thought they were eating people and I thought that was like hair in her mouth. And then when we were discussing it on our podcast, they were like, no, that's the cordyceps. Look closely. And when yeah. I looked at it, I was like, oh. oh, wait, this is on a whole different level. I don't think I'm prepared for it. And then when you see them in two at the end, when, um, you know, when they step on the little root or whatever you want to call it and all of them just start swarming i was like oh we're getting world war z runners okay that's the thing i'm not prepared for that either Mm -hmm. so it was interesting seeing the way that they develop these characters and the different stages that you get for these infected um the clicking was so unnerving for me i had to pause the tv i was like there was something about it that just literally made it feel like something was crawling up my spine. It was so interesting because you don't think, you don't really think about the noises because again, most zombie shows, you have the groaning and the grunting or whatever, the mindless noise. So you don't think about any specific noise. When I heard that, I was like, oh, we are doing something totally different. And I don't know if I'm prepared. No, it was interesting too with that because it was just like, you hear the, you hear and it's just like yeah. the the clicking noise. It's just like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, was... even now I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it because that noise was so unnerving. I think the noise bothered me more than seeing the actual infected or the clickers because I had seen concept art and I had seen what they looked like. So I was kind of prepared for that, but I wasn't prepared for the noise. I wasn't pre- prepared for the actual click. Okay. What were you going to say, Matt? Uh, that was very key to the video game. Many of the the the, the game playing scenes involved you trying to get through or, or destroy or stealth, stealthily go through groups of clickers or other undead types. Uh, and the clicking was vital to locating where they were. It also added to the tension, added to the um, the the fright factor. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was it was a key ingredient in the video game, and I was glad to see they replicated it very well in the TV show. No, that's pretty cool, Jennifer. What about you? The first couple episodes. Um, it I liked the uh, scene where like it's sort of building, so you kind of know what's coming, sort of what's coming when. Uh, Sarah is that the daughter, the first daughter, the daughter, yes. like the daughter dies, and she's at the neighbor's house, and the old lady does that sort of weird thing with her head, and you're like, oh, it's starting here, kind of thing, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was. I liked watching it building, and 
because normally when I watch these sorts of things, like there's some sort of story ahead of time that I'm usually aware of so that I know what's developing, but they did a really good job here with the, those scientists that you were mentioning at the beginning talking about, well, this is what it would look like. And then you're like, Oh, look, this is what it looks like. Uh, so <laughs> oh. the, the building was pretty, <laughs> was pretty good. Yeah. I also thought that the girl who played Sarah looked like uh, Zoe Saldana a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. A little bit. It was interesting too. The It was like that poor dog, you know, why is the dog freaking out? Oh, it was just like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. I was like, when the dog is looking at Nana, like WTF, that's when you know it's time to leave the house. Oh yeah, it's very time much. To go. And and then when uh, Joel came with his brother or with Tommy and picked up Sarah, and you know they like hit the guy with the guy who was coming after them with the car, and the neighbor ran out. Watch Joel, what the hell's going on? And then they and and, and then Joel like like tears out of there and you see the poor neighbor getting attacked by the you know the whole family and it's just like oh poor sucker and he told her to go back in the house yep he warned her he warned her it was the it was you felt the tension building in this and they did it so well and then after poor sarah was killed you know you saw that joel snapped he Mm -hmm. he lost it Mm-hmm. And it was it was interesting seeing, and then they did the time jump. You know, you went up the twenty years, and it was, and you saw what, and you saw the kid coming out of the woods. It was just like, oh, you know, somebody's coming out of the woods, and you know how the wonderful folks who you know, Fedra, you know, Fedra was just like, you know, and the the woman was so nice to the kid. Oh, we're just going to, you know, give you some medicine and everything. And then you see, you know, the next scene you see, you're introduced to Joel again and he's burning bodies and you see one of the bodies he picks up is that little kid. Yeah. I was just like, like, Oh, I don't think I want to live in that world. No, 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 no. I don't even think I'd survive in it. Oh, no, definitely not. But I think the thing that was different for me when when you see Fedra and when you see the soldier and she's talking to the to the little kid and she's actually she's actually being nice and she's being calming. It's not a panic type thing. You know, she's really trying to put this kid at ease. And also staying calm about the fact that this kid is infected. They don't know how long he's been infected. They don't know when he's going to turn they know that it's coming but instead of doing what we see in so many other um shows or even with what happened with sarah you know the soldier just panicking because at that point they didn't know how this thing transmitted they didn't know Mm-mm. what they were dealing with and that was the reason why he killed sarah because she was injured he didn't know whereas now 20 years later you kind of know the signs and you know the timetable for when this infection happens a lot and of people think, missed actually the chart that was on the wall behind yeah it, where wearing yeah. the body if you get bitten how long you have mm-hmm. and and i thought that was interesting because the little kid actually paid attention to that chart and then you know of course they they mentioned you know they show us his injury and they're like 
how how did you hurt yourself and just the calming way that she she took care of that kid and instead of making it a panic instead of them just like outright just granted yes it's still murder but I felt like it was more of a mercy killing at that point because they don't have a cure at this point and they already know that this child is going to change and rather than allow that change to happen they kind of calm him down they kind of ease him into it and then they do what they need to do so I thought that was a little bit nicer touch from what we're used to seeing when it comes to people dealing with this kind of panic and again just from a few scenes prior when you see how Sarah's you know injury was treated as opposed to this kid's it was just kind of like a very stark contrast well Sarah's was you know injury she hurt her ankle and you but know, the soldier didn't know that no but the soldier was was ordered to fire on both of them no matter what he was yeah. they could have been completely healthy and mm-hmm. you know it's the same thing we saw in episode three where everyone was being taken out of the small little towns and you know then there wasn't room for them in the qz's and so they were taken to the fields and they were shot they were killed Mm -hmm. and everything because there was no room for them to be under you know the control of the government at the time and so that was that was horrifying to me it's just like because you think oh i'm going to be taken to you know get new home, you know, put into, you know, the safe city, safe using air quotes on that folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, but it was interesting to see, you know, so the whole thing with, you know, when Sarah got killed, that was just a panic reaction, you know, and, he, and Joel was trying to tell the soldier, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're not infected. We don't have anything. And, but he was under orders and he was an idiot, but you know, that's that's something an infected person would say. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of true. course, of course, that's rule number one in a zombie attack. You know, I'm not affected. I have a gapping wound here, but you know, hey, I'm not affected. But right. it was, but it was interesting too. And then you know, you meet you meet Fedra, but then you also have the fireflies, and Ooh. and it's just it's just very interesting the stark contrast. But you know, you learn throughout the season the fireflies aren't that great either at times. Right. And, you know, and it's just, you know, neat. it's not a a perfect society, but you do find out from Ellie that there are Starbucks still in the <laughs> QZ. When did, when did the game come out? Um, I think it just had its 10th anniversary. Uh, so I think I want to say around 2013 was when it first came out for the PS3. I think that's what I remember reading as well. Yeah, I think so. Were the so this is just me speculating wildly, but were the uh, creators of the game fans of Firefly at all? To you know, create characters who are called Fireflies that we're supposed to look at as possibly the good guys, but who can also be bad guys and make different decisions. No, Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. There might the been. interviews with Neil, I've never heard him make that connection. I mean, Not he's at also, all. But, but he is heavily involved in the TV series. And mm-hmm. if you watch the episodes on the streaming service, HBO has a information segment about the episode, like about Each a five episode. or ten minute segment. And they're very worth watching. There's a lot of insight. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, they talk about the creation. But no, the TV show Firefly actually has never come up with that connection. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, they might have said something at a con or something like that, but never outright. But it's interesting because you have then, you know, you have at first you have Joel and Joel has his partner at that point. And it's very interesting that you have, you know, Tess, who, you know, is you think, oh, it's going to be the two of them taking Ellie across the country or first to out into Boston. So that way they can get a battery because Joel wanted to go catch find his brother, Tommy, who has been missing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and it's interesting the story from that point on when they leave you know it doesn't get any lighter after they leave the city at all no it does not it does not and everything but did you really expect it to no (laughs) no and how poor tess dies you know because she gets bitten in an attack in the museum and but she's hiding it from them because she didn't want them to know and when they make it to, I guess it's city Boston city hall mm-hmm. and it's the fireflies there had been killed and been, you know, some had turned into mushroom people or some had been, you know, just killed. And there, it, of course, right there, the whole plan fell apart. And then that's when Tess revealed that she had been bitten. And when they killed one of the, uh, other one of the other mushroom folks that they find out you well you found out that all the mushroom people are connected through it like a network which makes total sense it's science right there you know how that is what are you gonna say oh that is a change from the video game the whole uh you know they had like the the tendrils go out and communicated through that that was something that wasn't in the video game that was added for the tv show Really? Well, also, I know from the video game, you know, you have to be careful of being attacked by spores also. Mm-hmm. So yes. that's, yeah. so that's also changed. So they make subtle changes, folks, throughout. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too, because, you know, this is a lot of, you know, established science and, you know, about the creatures and about mushrooms and about funguses and and such which is interesting and you then you know because of the tendrils being attached because one dies it alerts the rest of the hive and they come running and boy do they come running mm-hmm. you know they're not the zombies who are, you know no <laughs> those are like, the world war Z zombies oh big time mm. And so Tess makes the sacrifice and my God, you know, cause she was trying to get that lighter lit before she mm-hmm. turned. And then that one other walker or clicker as they call him, um, came and it was spreading the tendrils out of its mouth into her mouth. It was just like, that was just, oh, wow. and wow. then not only that, they give it to us in the close up. So mm-hmm. you're looking at it literally this close. It was, <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. That was, that was just amazing. And, 
you know, the sacrifice she made. And then that was the end of the episode pretty much, which was, which was cool. It's interesting too, because you find out, you know, in the first episode that Ellie has immunity to the bites, but you don't know how at that point. At that point. Yeah. And you don't find out actually why until the final episode of the season. And, you know, for how they did it was brilliant, you know, that her mom was bitten while she was giving birth. So she has, was passed, you know, the bite was, the virus was passed through the umbilical cord, but she, you know, because she was newborn, guess she built, she was immune to it. And that was pretty well done. And it was neat how they incorporated the voice actors from the game into Mm -hmm. the series. Yeah. And you want to talk a little bit about that, Matt? Yeah. Uh, Ellie, Ellie's mom, uh, her name was Anna, I think, uh, that, that wasn't, that was not in the video game, but she was played by Ashley Johnson. Have I got that right? Yes. I have my notes here. And, um, and she was the voice actor for Ellie in the, uh, in the video games. Um, and the voice act, the actor of Joel figures in episode, I don't know, six or seven around that time. Actually eight. Um, That's the one with the, that was the one with the, uh, cannibals. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, so they, they both had sizable and influential roles and they interviewed them in the segments I mentioned on HBO max. Um, so it was it was good they they were involved, but obviously, especially in the case of Ella, she had aged out of the role, obviously, right. Um, and plus, they wanted somebody with I think a little bit more higher profile for such a big role, a high profile series. Well, exactly, and the same thing with Troy Baker because he looks mm-hmm. similar to Joel, but mm-hmm. not enough. You know, I think Pedro hits it pretty much straight on, which is pretty interesting with that. So it's interesting though, from that they use, they tie into the video game. And I think there's a couple other voice actors that they used in like the Kansas City episodes mm. yes. and in a couple of the different other ones, which is nice homages to it. But I know starting with episode three, when they introduce, of course, Bill and Frank, you know, they go completely away from for the, that episode completely away from the games. And truthfully, Bill and the Bill and Frank episode was amazing. It was, it was in such a bleak world. You got such a tender love story, which was, it was, it was awesome. It was truly, truly awesome. I feel like that was probably one of the best love stories we've seen on TV. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So it was, but it was interesting that we got a story along with like, you know, like that, because it made perfect sense how this story evolved with, you know, having the Bill and Frank characters, because Bill was, you know, basically a paranoid survivalist, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) just slightly, just slightly. And it was it was pretty amazing to see and you had you know it was it was just beautiful and and i'm glad they barely had joel and tess barely in it mm-hmm. you know they were yeah. just almost like third per- person characters outside of it and it was just 
very interesting the way they did that. And, you know, but it, it furthered the story along too, because it showed what the world out there was like, because, you know, at the beginning of the episode, you were focusing on Ellie and Joel and coming to see, you know, Bill. And it was just interesting because you saw the pile of bodies, you know, you didn't know at the time what it was, or you saw a crashed airplane, you know, and Ellie was like, oh, it must have been amazing to be up there in the airplane and to fly and, you know, everything. And it just like, just, but, you know, every, and it was just seeing it through the wonder of it was just amazing. Their story, their story was, gave us hope for humanity, even though in a, in a physical life or death situation, it could be bleak in that regard. Still, the fact that that spark of humanity, that spark of love could still survive and it's, it's, it's a love that would not, they probably wouldn't, wouldn't have met each other without the apocalypse. No, mm-hmm. exactly. So there yeah. is a poetic beauty to that. And that episode was such a great add on to the mythos. I mean, their relationship was described in the game. We just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Bill, Bill was still alive at the time he came to town in the video game. Frank had passed, but was mentioned. Um, so they did change that, but again, the change was so much for the better for the story, and um, it was it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it made me sad though because I really wanted to see more of those characters. Like I know that in the video games, I believe that Bill and Ellie actually meet and they interact, and I've been told that it's some of the best interactions in the video games. So I'm a little sad that we didn't get that in the show. Again, I really did love the the Bill and Frank story. I thought it was beautifully told. And and like you said, it does give you hope that even in this type of world, you can still find love. You can still be happy and you can still have a little bit of sense of normalcy. I was about to say that exactly. That's very well put. So, So then from Bill and Frank... They go to Kansas City, <laughs> and that's a whole another story. Yeah. And it's the Kansas City situation was interesting because Fedra was gone. Uh, the people, actually, the Fireflies built their, got their freedom, but at a cost. Do we know for sure that they were Fireflies? I think they mentioned it, you know, that they were okay. part of the, but they weren't. They were just rebels at that point. You know, they just had, they were building their own government and everything. And it was interesting to see, but Fedra was gone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they had a very chasm, charismatic, how do you say it? Charismatic. 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 One of those Woo-hoo. words I have trouble with. Say that five times. <laughs> oh, hell no. I'm not drinking hard enough. <laughs> but it's interesting because you have one of, you had their leader um, who was very, very popular and he was betrayed. For, and basically you had his sister then take over who was very vengeful. And it was interesting because that storyline they added to it by, you know, having, you know, you've had it, you know, you had Henry, um, you know, and you and Sam, Sam. and oh. it was just, it was real interesting because 
Sam was actually played by a true death actor. Mm. And it was so well done. And the storyline, you know, that, you know, when they were driving, you know, that they couldn't go cut through town real quick because, you know, Joel, you know, was driving and he, the highway was blocked by trucks and everything like that. So they had to go through the city itself. And um, he, you know, somebody was asking for help and Joel passed them by because he knew it was an ambush because he used to do the same thing with Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, poor Ellie was like, why are you stopping for that person? And he's like, don't ask so many <laughs> questions, kid. You know, yeah. so. But it, Trust Joel. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because at that point, that's when Ellie saved Joel's life for the first time mm-hmm. and everything. Because yeah. she grabbed one of Bill's guns in the previous episode. <laughs> and that was kind of where the bond really was starting to get solidified at that point between Joel and Ellie. I think mm-hmm. Joel had always resisted trying to bond with Ellie, but at that point, he just, at that point, he had no, he just, he was happening whether he wanted it to or not. Well, exactly. Exactly. And it was interesting too, because before that she was just cargo. She was mm-hmm. just a mission and, you know, he didn't want his shell to be broken and she started cracking it in with all those bad puns with all those horrible puns, <laughs> which was pretty cool. But it was interesting too. Define cool. <laughs> I had I grew I had a son, so I heard most of those puns growing with him growing up. Dad, you'll never <laughs> guess this one. What did you know? What did the fish say when it hit the hit hit the brick wall? What? Damn. <laughs> so you know. Yeah, my my own son tells those kinds of jokes too, and it's just like. And he thinks he's the funniest guy in the whole world. So, he absolutely yeah. does. So that's why absolutely. Ellie was perfect with that. But it was interesting, you know, when you then got, you know, you got Henry and Sam joining up with them. And, Sam, and you know, Henry was the one who ended up betraying, you know, the Fireflies, the Rebellion, whatever you want to call them for the town. And betrayed the leader. And so the sister who, you know, was totally, you know, had was after Henry and she was willing to sacrifice anything to get Henry. Because, you know, basically, Fedra had, you know, supposedly driven all the infected underground. And they hadn't seen them in years, according to the show. And when they were in, in the first part of that, first episode of it and you saw the floor you know raising and everything and so they're saying i think we might have a problem here and, and she ignores they it knew. yeah yeah she ignores it she no, but ignores she, it. she knew what it was she said mm-hmm. but she didn't want to create like every leader kind of thing didn't want to create a panic until she got what she wanted the thing that i thought was interesting about all of that stuff was that Everybody agreed that her brother was a great man and a nice man and always looking out for everybody else. But they didn't topple the terrible government until he was dead. She was the one who got everything going. And I kind of wonder if she hadn't been so, yeah, if she hadn't been so set on violence, what she could have accomplished, right? She wanted to defeat, she wanted to kill somebody who had killed her brother. 
but her brother wasn't getting the things done that needed to get done. Those things didn't happen until she was uh, around, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, but it's interesting because Kathleen, she, you know, she had this sweet demeanor and then, you know, cross her and she was like, get out of my face, you know, type thing. Yeah. And, and literally she, you know, and she was hell bent that she, he, you know, basically she was going to get Henry, you know, for, and no matter what, and no matter who got in her way. And it was just very interesting to see. And then in the second part of the episode, when, you know, they were, they made it, through the, they made it through the tunnels, they made it out of Kansas city and they were, and then that's that whole scene where they thought they were going to make it. And then, then the, the troops come in, in those like almost like snow plows, you know, pushing yeah. all the cars out of the way and, you know, and basically, you know, it was just, it was horrible. You know, Joel was able to be a sniper and take out some of the drivers, but that just made it even worse because <laughs> it, that poor, if they, that poor, poor snowplow found the weak point in the ground mm-hmm. and, and what came out. When I tell you. When they started pouring out of the ground, I literally jumped up on my couch like something was on my floor. <laughs> it was it was so horrifying. Like again, going back to World War Z, I think that was the first zombie movie that I can remember where you see the undead run, not just sprint, not jog. They are in a full-on Olympic run. And when those things started pouring out of the ground and that bloater followed, I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm dead right there. I don't have the stomach for this. I don't have the knees for this. I would be dead. Oh, very much so. Horrifying. I would be just staring at the cords as they just came at me. You know, I'd be like, I'd be like defecated i'd be everything you know it, it just would be like no it would be pretty i'm gone it would not be pretty and then the bloater to come out and because that's the first time you see a bloater in the series and wow that thing was horrible mm-hmm. it had to be at Magnificently least eight feet tall. horrible but yeah. horrible is that when you first see a bloater actually in the game it plays a little differently, but I think that area the that is about the time they make their appearance. I do know that they're kind of a, a boss enemy at first. Like you, you have to have plenty of ammunition. And you sort of build up to the fight, and then you have that fight that sort of ends an act. Um, but then later in the game, you you face them a little more commonplace than you do when they first appear. But I think it's around that same time. Gotcha. Because, yeah, it it was horrifying. And then the the clicker, the little girl clicker that was in after, you know, Ellie at first. And then poor Kathleen bit it, you know, it was in the car. It was just like. Yeah. I, I wanted sorry, to look Kathleen up. Kathleen deserved that. She could have just let them go. She could have just let them go. 
I wasn't sorry to see her gone. I wasn't sorry. To see I wasn't. I wasn't because because again, that singular focus. You got other people killed because you couldn't let go and you couldn't move on. And she even says when she's talking to Perry that Michael, her brother, told her to forgive Henry. And I think maybe, you know, she talks in the episode about how Michael was the good one. He was the beautiful one and she was not. I think her brother knew that if she got on this revenge path, she would never get off. And that would pretty much destroy everything that he had worked to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but it would destroy her as well. Maybe not in the sense that it actually happened. But I think he had the foresight to know, hey, you have to let this go because it's not going to end well if you keep on with this. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, though, because of, you know, Kathleen's sense of justice and wanting to catch Henry was she just doomed pretty much the whole city of Kansas City, you know, because all if you think about it, she sent all their armed, all the tough guys, everything to get Henry. And they all got destroyed by the horde. And that horde is still around and they're not going to stop. They're now heading towards Kansas City. They're not just going to, you know, they're not not just going to, you know, oh, we're going to go back underground. See you later. You know, uh -uh. and so they're going to follow the noise and the people, the people who are in the city, they have no clue what's going on because they didn't even know that the there was a, you know, a danger of them coming out. So, yeah, that Kansas City is gone. Yeah, that that's her legacy. She she killed the whole city. She destroyed it. So the heartbreak of that episode, though, was at the very end, you know, and poor Sam and everything. And Ellie thought that she could actually, you know, save him by, you know, putting like she cut her hand and tried Mm -hmm. doing like a mini blood transfusion type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't going to end well. I knew it when I saw that he, Sam had been bit. Mm-hmm. And and Henry to be the one to, Have to kill him. Come down. Elaine compared that scene to the Walking Dead episode, uh, Look at the Flowers. Everybody knows that quote. You know the mm-hmm. episode. And, and Elaine said mm-hmm. that that's the last time she felt like that at the end of an episode was when we watched that Walking Dead. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I could see that. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. And then for Henry to then, you know, he, you know, Sam was the reason he was going, but he Uh, did everything he did. And then that he was gone, you know, why keep going? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you think about what you did in order to protect your brother and, you know, that whole conversation Kathleen had with him before she, you know, she said, you know, did you ever think that Sam was meant to die? Like kids die all the time. What is it about your brother that makes him so special that, you know, basically you would kill mine in order to save him. And then at the end of it, he, he, he couldn't save Sam. Mm-mm. Not at and all. And I just, I, I, I felt that, you know, when, when, 
his, his instinct at first when Sam comes out and is attacking Ellie is to protect his brother, no matter what his brother has become. And then it's almost like an instinct comes in and his brother, you know, there's this monster about to kill this little girl. And I think he instinctively reacts without realizing until it's too late exactly what it was he just had to do. And I think that realization was too much for him. Oh, very much so. So, yeah, it was, oh, that was so heartbreaking. And poor Ellie blamed herself, you know, for, and that she left the note on his grave. Mm -hmm. That was just heartbreaking. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know. And then you got, you know, the scene, the next couple episodes, you know, was another time jump because you went like three more months till they got Mm -hmm. to Wyoming. And it was interesting. And, you know, we're not going to go blow by blow, folks. Don't worry. We're not, you know, (laughs) we're talking the high points of this. And it was great. You know, you finally got to see Tommy and Joel reunion the reunion and mm-hmm. and it was interesting because you know Tommy's grown up and Joel is still in the same place mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and he wanted to continue he but he was like I want you know he had gone through so much at that point with all the loss and everything he's seen Joel you know wanted to send you know Tommy to take you know, Ellie to get to, you know, to the rest of the journey. And it's like, Tommy's like, no, <laughs> you know, you know, I've got, I'm going to have my own family. I'm going to have a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when they were in Wyoming in Jackson, it was just almost like paradise compared to what they left. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, can you imagine if Tommy had taken her, Joel had stayed behind, Tommy had gotten to the hospital understood what they were going to do and was okay with it because that was really the only way that they were going to save everything and then come back and tell Joel what he'd done. Can you imagine? I kind of feel like in a way, that's one of the reasons why Joel asked Tommy to take her. I mean, I know he, he gave his reasons about him not being able to do what he used to be able to do, but I think that was part of it as well. He knew at that point that he cared about Ellie and that she was becoming more important to him than he originally planned. You know, his whole point was to stay distant from her, your cargo, (laughs) not get attached. And I think he realized at that point, especially after what she told him about what she tried to do with Sam, I think in the back of his mind, he knew that there was going to be a point where he would have to give her up and she would not make it through this. I and don't I don't know. think he was ready to face that. I don't but think I don't he, he knew been able how to severe it was going to be, though. Yeah. Well, so so we talked about this. When, when you're talking about making a cure, there's only a, a, a couple of ways that this can go. Yes, they can do a blood transfusion and try to pull whatever it is in her blood out to see what they can do but at some point you're gonna need more and if you think Mm -hmm. about most shows and you know medical uh procedures that we have seen whenever it comes to something like that 
those people are usually taken hostage. Those usually people are usually kept against their will. So she may not, they might may not have known that she would die. But I think at some point they both understood that there was a possibility that she would not be coming back with them. Well, I think that she would have to stay. I agree with that. I I do agree with that part that she probably wouldn't be coming back, but I don't think, Mm -hmm. I don't think Joel knew that they were going to kill her to. No, I don't think he knew that, but I, I think he, I think that he knew at some point he was going to have to let her go. Like wherever he took her to the fireflies. I mean, the whole point was to take her so that she could do what she needed to do and save the world. He never planned for her to come back with him because he wasn't attached at that time. And I think he probably understood at that point that if he were to take her all the way, he wouldn't be able to just leave her there by that point. He would be completely connected, completely bonded. And he wouldn't be able to let her go. It's like, even if they said, okay, hey, we can keep her alive. We can do this cure, but she has to stay with us. I don't think he would have had it in him to leave her there and to go back to living a life, having quote unquote, lost another child. I think him asking Tommy was because Tommy had no emotional ties to Ella, Ellie. She had no bond. So he would have been able to, hey, drop her off at the Fireflies. Hey, I'm supposed to be bringing you this person. Now I can go on about my way, go back to my wife, go back to my unborn child. And he would have done it with no problem. Mm -hmm. And I I think that was part of the reason why Joe may have asked him to do that because he knew that Tommy would be able to do what he no longer could, which was leave Ellie behind. In addition to him not being able to do the physical stuff or the hard stuff, at least until we see what happens at the, you know, the very last episode. But do you think he would have been able to forgive Tommy? That was great. If Tommy comes back, like Tommy comes back and is like, yep, I left her there. She's going to save the world. That's one thing. Tommy comes Mm -hmm. back and is like, yeah, they had to take her brain out. (laughs) That's something else. I don't think he would have blamed Tommy for that. I think he would have blamed himself. He would have blamed himself for not seeing it through. I think he would have blamed himself for being a coward about it. And then if she would have died and he was not there, I think he would have blamed himself for that too. It would be like, like he said, he was dreaming. I, I keep failing her over and over. It would have been another child that he would have failed. And I don't think he would have ever gotten over that. Well, and maybe with time, I think, but he wasn't really very self-reflective until he'd opened up to her. I think people tend to lash out when they blame themselves. Mm -hmm. They blame other people for what they really know is their own fault. Well, it's interesting, though, too, because Ellie didn't know anything about Sarah until they got to Wyoming because Joel never mentioned her. Right. So he always t- he always told her we're not discussing that. Whenever it came to his life before, when it came to Tess, his relationship with her, he was mm-hmm. always very threatening. Like, no, we are not talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, the scene where Ellie goes off on him when she finds out she and in- he intends to have Tommy take her the rest of the way. That is another scene which is kind of blow by blow, exactly like it is in the game. And it's mm-hmm. a very powerful scene. And at that point, I think any walls that 
Joe was trying to desperately keep up. I think he, he was already found himself starting to think of her as, as an surrogate daughter, uh, but he was mm-hmm. afraid of that. He was seeing the death. He saw what happened with Sam. He, and he had known when he almost killed himself when Sarah got killed, he was afraid of that. He was avoiding that. Uh, but when she basically broke him down, when she didn't give him a choice, any pretense of a wall of of Herbie and Cargo, the last vestige of that just went away. And he, he didn't have any choice at that point, emotionally. No, agreed with that. You know, the last, it's interesting because the last three episodes, for me, they run together. You know, it's all bop, bop, bop. And, you know, it's interesting and... You know, they they build a bond, especially, you know, through these episodes, because you meet the cannibals, you you know, you get, they're attacked at the university and by the same group, and then Joel gets injured and Ellie has to take care of him. And it's interesting with that. And then when they finally get to Salt Lake City, you know, that's like the final. And then, you know, when Joel finds out what happens... It's like Joel becomes the Terminator in that episode. Oh, and in the game, you are you are totally complicit in that act. And it's not like the game gives you a choice but to proceed in that direction. But you, so you can't it. just you can't just leave. Or no, no, you. Have and I hear to... that that scene is longer in the video game as well. Well. Games tend to have the the, the the stealth scenes where you're going from room to room, avoiding detection, and, and that's not really extra story. It's 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 gameplay necessity. Mm-hmm. But you that scene and it, and it's almost shot. We have that hallway in the hospital, and at the end of that hallway is that room where you know the operation is getting ready to take place. Mm-hmm. And in the game, you've already you know mow down several of them and you know what you're going to do in that and you're you're just you're you're more afraid of going in that door and doing what you know the game needs you to do than you are of any of these soldiers that have been trying to kill you this throughout this level right and it's it's an inevitability to it that is just it's it's it really messes with your brain a little bit or Mm -hmm. at least it did with me when i played the game Oh, I'm sure. I'm very sure with that. And I'm sure it's tough because it affected us on screen, you know, mm-hmm. with what he was going through. And then, you know, when he gets to the end and when they find, you know, the base and, you know, they get to there and they're about to leave the hospital and Marlene is there and like, you know, hey, you know, you're basically dooming us all if you take her, you know type mm-hmm. thing and, and he and he knew that she would not stop coming after her so he had to kill her exe- execute her and there's mm-hmm. no way to say it that was a cold-blooded execution and yeah it's it's, it's tough because she would she wouldn't just let them go she would no. be chasing after them mm-hmm. no matter mm-hmm. what well and one of the things that i watched um the Ryan Airy thing uh, after the show was they were saying, I mean, I know it's a video game, right? Starts from a video game and there's certain, you can't have a whole bunch of 
medical tests happen in a video game, but they were like, you would think that in real life, if you had the one person who was immune and you only knew that there was one person, that maybe you would run some tests before you went straight for the procedure that would kill the one person who might be able to save humanity. Maybe you should run some other tests. You could do some extractions for things, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe not just kill her right up front just to figure yeah. out if maybe there was some, maybe you could culture something rather than like, cause I mean, even they were like, they think blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. I mean, most that science like that, they bothered think, me. right? Yeah, right. exactly. So, I mean, that's, there's, it's not the same, you don't have the same level of science and that kind of stuff, but you would think that it would be like, all right, so maybe we ought to just give it a couple of days, test some things rather than just, yeah, no, we were really nice to her. She has no idea what's coming. She's never going to wake up. Mm -mm. not at all she's she's gone and it was like no 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 there's definitely ways and i i watched the same thing that you watched and you know them talking about that but in the video game you know boom they're gonna take her brain out boom go to get yeah. to the and it's like no 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 because what if the brain wasn't it maybe it was her bone marrow maybe it was something you know something in her platelets or whatever you know who knows but and but it was and then for when Ellie at the end looked at him and said, "Is Marlene still alive? You know, are they? You know, were they okay with you leaving?" And he lied to them right through the alive, like, alive. Yeah, there, there was nothing else that he could say though, right? Like if he told her the truth, there's nothing for her to go back to anyway because everybody is dead, mm -hmm. right? And he also doesn't want her to feel guilty. Yeah, but I, I think he did more damage by lying to her about what happened because let's let's be honest, Ellie is a smart girl. She knew when she woke up in that car and he told her that the drugs were wearing off and she was like, What drugs? The last thing I remember was the fireflies talk you know, talking to the fireflies and when he starts telling her about what happens, Ellie knew in that car what he did. Well, you I think can't she knew tell me that she didn't. Yeah, and I think you she knew what he lied to her, right? He gave her oh, the absolutely. He gave absolutely. her the opportunity to be willfully blind, and she took mm -hmm. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's right? Exactly right. So they, I mean, they were lying to themselves and each other because neither one of them wanted her to die. Really, I mean, mm -hmm. she had a a savior complex going on, right? Like my blood is medicine, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, and she kept talking about how she was going to save the world. Um, but, uh, he gave her the opportunity to, but, you know, well, he told me that this was fine. Right. Yeah. So she didn't have to believe what was really going to happen to her. I don't know if I feel like that's what he was doing. I really think that in his mind, he feels like he was saving her. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I feel like it was more of a selfish thing for him. And I think when she when she says that to him and says, um, you know, swear to me that what you told me about the fireflies was true, I think she really wanted to see how far he was willing to take that lie. Like, okay, we spent all this time, we've been traveling together almost a year at this point. We've built up this level of trust and respect for each other. Is he going to lie to me or is he going to tell me the truth? And he lies doesn't even bat his eyelashes, doesn't blink. And I think her in that moment was accepting 
he just he just he killed everyone he took away my one true purpose and then he lied on top of it so i think at that point that wall for her has now gone up so where we started the season with joel having the wall and her trying to break in i think now we're about to see a complete uh reversal where she's going to be the one that's closed off to him now because she's now been betrayed by the one person she loves in the world and it's going to have huge repercussions for both of them going forward apparently that's part of the second season is stop the smirking stop smirking but i know nothing about the second game nothing so i don't know i don't know anything that's happening i don't want to know but I'm like I'm certain that he was doing it for himself right that he you know loved her and wanted to keep her alive but I I still think that like it can work both ways right he can tell her that because he wants to keep her alive and she can accept it because it's easier for her than to believe that now she's never going to save everybody Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's interesting and that's that's a huge thing to overcome especially when you grow up in the conditions that you grew up in you grew up with no parents you grew up in an orphanage no love um the one person who we find out has known her since birth has completely ignored her for the most part for all of her life so she thinks that she has nothing else she she has nothing of worth for herself until you know she's told that hey you can become a leader with fedra and she thinks she's going to do that. And then, you know, this one night out with her best friend completely changes the course of her life. Then she finds out, oh, you're immune. So guess what? Now you can save the world. It's hard to not expect her to have a hero complex because at this point, she has had nothing else in her life that meant anything to her. You know, well, maybe she, it's a relief to her now that she doesn't have to have the whole burden of saving the world because he told her they've got dozens of other people and they've stopped looking for a cure because they can't find it. So it's not on you anymore. So now she yeah. can just live her life. I, mm-hmm. I I don't think that she believes that. I don't think she believes it. Nope. No, I don't either. I agree. But people people will tell themselves things like, well, no, I mean, I don't really believe it. But I mean, we've all been in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't really believe what that person said, but they told me and I've been with them for a long time and they haven't given me a reason not to trust them before. So I'm going to trust them now, even though when I check I'm... their phone in six months, I'll be able to see they were totally banging that other person. Well, okay. <laughs> so, we've talked about all the positives and there were tons and tons of positives. Let's look real quick and let's let's make it very quick. What would you have changed out of anything? You know, any negative. Let's start with Matt. Oh. I I would have liked to have seen a couple of story beats gone a little longer. Uh including I think the the scene in the hospital where they were is it Utah they were at, I believe? Um, in Salt Lake City, yeah. Salt Lake City, yes. I, I think that would have been two. I was really two episodes worth of material, and they could have put the flashback. They still had the flashback in there with her mom, which. But that I was think, a nice cold open, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that's actually something else that wasn't in the game. Um, so I think they could have expended on that, and also the the the, the scene that led to it at the uh, at the college, uh, the color in, in Colorado. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I With think, the escape uh, monkeys. That was pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. Some of that was, it, it did feel like they were kind of getting close to the end and they had to kind of rush. Because um, there's a lot of story between uh, Frank and Bill and uh, before they get to the college, there's a lot of story in there that's not, that's barely touched upon in the TV show. Okay. But, but then it would have been 25 episodes and who does 25 episodes season? Not anymore. anymore. No, no. So, uh, but apparently they do intend to stretch the second game into at least two seasons. That's what I've heard. So, so I'm grateful at that because it would be even tougher. I'd be very curious to see where they go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Interesting. All right, Jennifer, what about you? Um, I actually like most of it. The only thing that really sort of bugged me is really not any fault of the show is that because I recognize so many of the places that it's set, it takes me out of the show. That's well, all. Most definitely. It was the same way when we just saw Shazam <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and, you know, when they were in the park at the parking structure and it was definitely not Philadelphia. It was downtown Atlanta. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it was like, wait a minute, there's the Westin, there's the Marriott, there's the Hilton. Oh, it's Dragon Con <laughs> all over again. Exactly. And there, well, it's and like when Matt was, when Matt was talking about the college, I was like, oh, SAIT, that's the yeah. Southern Albert <laughs> Institute of Technology. And then like all, every, all the things that you were talking about, I was like, oh, and that was here. And that was here. And so it just kind of takes me out of that. Makes total yeah. sense. Okay. Hanako. I don't have any complaints. Like I said, I was not familiar with the game before, so I had no expectations going into the show. And I really don't have any complaints except that maybe they could have stretched it to maybe 11 or 12 episodes, mm-hmm. um, giving us a little bit more story. But um, I have no complaints about this show. Awesome. For me, it's I wanted to see more. I wanted to see, you know, at least maybe two or three more episodes. And, but I was very thrilled with what we got and folks, sorry for this episode going a little bit longer, but we barely scratched the surface on this. It was really tough not to. So please watch it. Let us know what you guys thought. Did we miss any huge talking points or anything? I'm sure we did, but you know, there's also podcasts out there who dedicate an hour to two hours for each episode. So it's super simple. We had a, this is the condensed style. you know, version of it, super condensed, you know, you know, the cliff notes, you could say almost. So it's pretty awesome. Let's take a quick break and we will be back in a moment. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about something a bit more serious. And it's been something that's been on my mind for a while, and it's about how fandoms right now seem to think they have to bash everything they don't like. I thought long and hard about doing an episode on my current feelings about this, and I figured, hey, why not? So we're basically living in the golden age of comic and sci-fi media. And one thing I keep seeing from people is a lot of complaining. There's so much media out there, and as we get more of it, or stuff changes and shifts, I hear way more people complaining than being excited for new stuff. I get it. If something isn't your cup of tea, fine, that's great, but why complain about it? 
find something else you're excited for instead. You don't see people who like dramas or comedies regularly complaining that this one specific comedy that's coming out isn't for them and that they are so angry and that they're going to go to the internet about it. But we see that more with comic movies and stuff. Yeah, there are fewer of them than comedies, but you guys get what I'm saying. I remember a time when we had basically the Fox Network Generation X movie and the Nick Fury movies with David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury, which were quirky and fun in their own ways, and I remember them very fondly. But I love all the stuff we have now compared to them. Is it all my cup of tea? No, but there's a lot of it, and there's a lot of it that is my cup of tea. While I like every single comic movie that's put out, Heck no. But the ones that I really like, I like. And the ones I don't, I generally give one try and then I move on and focus on what I do like. I bring all this up because I posted the DC movie lineup that James Gunn posted. And I got so many people sending me messages basically saying, I'm not excited for any of this. How can you be excited for this? And my response was just being, we're getting a horror Swamp Thing movie, and if any of you have heard me on any of the other ESO Network shows, I love Swamp Thing. I was so excited when it got a TV show, so much so that I went and I was an extra in it, and I was thrilled for that first season and heartbroken when it got canceled. We're also getting more of the Peacemaker team, and I loved Peacemaker. And we're getting Creature Commandos, which to me sounds really, really cool, plus James Gunn is really good at taking weird comic properties and doing really well with them. So yeah, I'm really excited for some of the stuff on that list. It's okay to not be interested in like other stuff. More stuff will come along. But also, bashing someone for being interested seems like a very unfandom thing for me. And especially for a group that's supposed to be so welcoming since many of us weren't welcomed growing up for liking this stuff. And since it's become mainstream now, there's so many more people who are liking it. It just seems weird to me to be upset when we're getting more, and to judge it all before you even see it. Just my little rant after a lot of messages of people being negative. It's okay to mourn that your favorite actor may not be playing the role that they were playing now, but it's also okay to let others enjoy what is coming out without regularly telling them you aren't happy about it. Just my thoughts on how our nerdy communities should really think about the negativity we bring in and how it affects us all. It's not always sunshines and rainbows, but there should really only be some rainstorms mixed in there, not hurricanes. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Howdy! Listen up. I am talking! Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer, we do. Next question, who's listening to it? Answer, you are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then, do the smart thing. Listen to Earth Station Who, right here on the ESO Network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank everyone for being here. 
Henneko, thank you so, so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me back. It was fun. Anything you want to promote, like your podcast or anything? Sure. I am the host of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. We are one of those podcasts that Mike mentioned earlier that does dedicate um, episodes to The Last of Us. We have talked about all nine episodes individually. And we had a bonus episode where we talked with some gamers about how they, you know, felt about the show and what they liked and didn't like. So you can check us out at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are also on YouTube. We have a Discord channel at Phantom Hybrid, and you can find us on all podcast streaming platforms. Awesome. That's awesome. And it's a great show. I've subscribed and it's, I'm having a ton of fun listening to it, folks. It's pretty cool. So it's definitely worth checking out. And Miss Jennifer, thank you. Thank you, as always. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, nice to be back on there. I haven't anything of my own to promote, but I have recently been watching on YouTube. Um, not a nerd exactly, but a guy who's been cooking, anti-chef. Uh, his most recent things is going through the art of French cooking by Julia Child, but he's been cooking in other places too. He has these little things are like five to 15 minutes. Uh, and he, one of the things my boyfriend's really impressed with is he makes mistakes and he keeps them in there. He's like, I would never do that. I would just be like, I'm redoing this whole thing so that it looks perfect, but he doesn't do that at all. The guy's fun, funny. The food looks good. If it's not good, he's pretty clear about it. Um, and uh, very honest about his approach to things. Very cool. I think that's pretty awesome. And Mr. Matt Swetman, thank you as always, sir. Well, since Mike's not here, so I will say it's my pleasure. Mike Anything you're going to promote, sir, or talk about? <laughs> uh, well, um, I am fairly active on Facebook. Uh, me and my wife, Elaine, we currently watch Star Trek episodes. And we, we, when we watch an episode, we kind of live comment, almost like live tweeting, but we're on Facebook. Uh, we have some friends at our station, Trek, uh, another ESO Network podcast. And uh, occasionally we've been on a few episodes of that and we comment on there. And, um, and it's really gotten me back into Star Trek and Elaine kind of into Star Trek for the first time. Uh, so anybody who has any interest in that area, feel free to check it out. It's, it's really some cool stuff. Nice, nice, nice. And you guys do great jobs. And it's like, how many episodes of Star Trek are you guys watching a week? You know, it's like, <laughs> I keep on seeing you guys post more and more. It's, it's great though. I'm glad you guys are doing that type of thing. It's a lot of fun. Very cool. My shout out real quick is going off to, of course, live music. What can you say? I love going to concerts. I try to go see, you know, concerts whenever we can. This uh, upcoming weekend, as of this recording, it's, you know, we record in the past, put out in the future, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff, you know how it goes. <laughs> it's pretty cool. We're uh, going to a charity event over in uh, Lowburn, Georgia. It's for the music school they have there and a band I follow called Donna the Buffalo is actually playing there for and they're doing a charity gig it's already sold out folks so you know and by your time you're listening to it it's in the past so but if you ever get a chance try to go see live music i think right now we have eight live eight different shows we're going to in april and you know throughout the month and that includes a music festival at the end of the month that we're going up to north carolina to go to 
So it should be always tons of fun to see live music. It helps support the bands themselves because they don't make money anymore from their CDs or their music being played and streaming or on the radio as like they used to. They get most of their music and money from concerts. And a lot of the smaller bands, they don't charge more than 30 to $40 a ticket. And that's including the fees and such. So definitely check it out and then pick up some swag because that's where they, the money they get, they make any money because they, that's how they do it. And that's why you see a lot of these bands on the road, almost the full year and such trying to promote their stuff. And, you know, and it's just a ton of fun to go see these bands and you get to meet, I've met tons of new friends. You meet people who have similar interests or, you know, you just, just meet very cool people when you're listening to cool music. It's pretty cool stuff. So definitely check it out. It's worth it. Definitely. You know, we're going to have, you know, music with the weather getting warmer here. It's, you know, outdoor concerts and, you know, the pollen hopefully will eventually disappear, you know, cause you know, the yellow snow, as we like to call it here in Georgia is still, is still around, but eventually will fade and go away. But as always, my friends, thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. Always remember that we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support the podcast, please check out our Tee Public store and get some cool ESO swag. Also remember, if you want to listen to our shows before the rest of the world, why not join the ESO Network Patreon? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support us here on Air Station One. Just go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. We also want to hear from you, so please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com. Remember, you can find Earthstation One wherever fine podcasts are found. Now, Earthstation One can also be found in video format up on YouTube. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Like and subscribe, folks. Like and subscribe. It's right there, right under here if you're watching us on YouTube. Just hit subscribe. Click on the bell so that way, you know, we're coming to you now twice a week. So definitely check us out with that way. Of course. I'm not too ba- proud to beg on the show. But of course, thank you guys very much for joining us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Matt Swetman, Ms. Jennifer Wees, and Ms. Hanako Ricks, thank you as always very, very much for joining us. We'll see you here next time on our Station One. Peace, have some fun, and go see some live music. And stay away from mushrooms. Talk to you later. Peace, and we are done. Ciao. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon 
or by shopping at the Tea Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.